1 Corinthians chapter 13, fairly quickly. And if I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give all that I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but, in, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. But... Where there are prophecies, they will cease. And where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I thought as a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put the childish things away. I put them behind me. And now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. But then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Beautiful passage. Beautiful passage. And, and you know, we go to our weddings and we, we, we hear this recited over and over and over again. But like I said, we're going to look at it differently because, see, love, the word love can be used so many different ways, right? Let me give you an example. It's my friend Galen over here, okay? He's my brother. He's my brother in Christ. I love him. It's my wife, Robin. I love her. It's my son. I love him. I love pizza. You see what I'm saying? The same word, okay? The love that I feel for my wife is obviously very different than the love that I feel for my brother, which is, again, very different to the love that I feel for my son, which is, again, very different from the love that I feel for pizza, right? But it, it's all the same word, except that if we go back and we, we, we break it down and look at, at the Greek a little bit. See, we, we talk, the Bible really talks about three kinds of love, okay? So, I know we've had teaching on this, so I'll, I'll move very quickly through it. The first is, is the agape love, okay? So that is defined as affectionate and platonic love, okay? Um, it desires friendship, okay? It is that, that feeling love, okay? But it's also an action, okay? So I, I saw a really good example yesterday. Travis and I went down to the car show and spent a couple of hours down there, and there was a gentleman sitting on the seat on the, on the street outside the building, and he had a little sign beside him, and he was, he was asking for, for donations, for handouts. And a, a, a young couple came out of the Tim Hortons there, and um, they had a brand new bag, and, and I don't know what was in that bag, but it was about that big, probably about the size of a Tim Hortons sandwich, and they slid it down to the man and, and walked off without, without any incident. 
and he thanked them very much. And he said, you know, God bless you and, and thank you. And um, took that little, that little package. That was love. That was love that they showed. It was an act. It was a verb. Okay, it, it, it's a doing. It's an action. They showed love. Gape love. Now, there's filial love. Okay, probably saying that a little bit goofy. Work with me, though. It's that familial love. Okay, family love. Familial. Okay. Um, a friendship love. It's from a parent to a child or between family members, brothers, sisters, okay? It's also between friends. It is a committed love, but it's a chosen love, okay? It's, it's, it's a, a love that you choose, okay? It's a chosen love, familial, okay? The next one is called a storge love, okay? And so it is... I've already mixed them up. I've already mixed them up. I'm sorry. The storge is, is the one that I just described. <laughs> the, the phileo one is the affectionate and platonic love. Sorry. So that's, that's the affectionate love, okay, the desire of the friendship. And then the storge is the familial love, okay? That one is unconditional. It accepts flaws. It uh, drives to forgive. It is a committed, it's also a chosen love, okay? And then the fourth type of love is the eros, thank you, the eros love, okay? That's the romantic love. That's what we're talking about when we talk about a, a husband and a wife, okay? So you see, there's, the scripture itself really deals with the agape love and what we would probably consider the storge love, okay? Which is the, the, the love that we show to the world, and the love that we should have for those around us, and that is the agape love, the unconditional, okay? And then there's the love, the storge love, that we feel between each other as family, okay? We are part of the family of God. It's more than just your brothers and your sisters. It is your family as the family of God, okay? And then there's the romantic love, the eros love, and those of us who are in a relationship um, and are fortunate enough to have that and are blessed with that. It's wonderful. Different kinds of love, okay? So if we take the context of that love and we apply it to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, what are they speaking of? Now, see, when we talk about it in a wedding, sorry, I, I, I'm used to moving. This is, I want to walk over there, but the microphone doesn't go with me. When, when, when we talk about, when we talk about that romantic love, okay? That's what we're talking about at the weddings. But I don't think that's what Scripture's talking about here, okay? Because what we have to understand about 1 Corinthians, and this is, this is where I've been, I've been toying around for the last few weeks, months. 1 Corinthians is a letter. Okay? It's a letter. It's one letter. Okay? Now, in order to make it so that we can work around with it, it's divided up into individual uh, groups, into chapters, into verses. But it's a letter. It's a letter that Paul wrote to the church that met at Corinth. Okay, um, Approximately history tells us approximately 55 AD it was written. Okay, And Corinth was quite the metropolis. They had a lot of problems there. 
Okay. Now, Corinth was kind of the, the, the center of trade. It was where everyone went to. They say it was probably in the neighborhood at that time of a half a million people. Okay. And it wasn't really necessarily the nicest place to be. There was a lot of temples there. There was a lot of different types of worship that was happening there. And, and one of the key things that was happening there was the worship of one of the gods... And it was a worship that was based around immorality, okay, for lack of a better word. And so this particular temple had approximately a thousand sacred, they called them prostitutes. This was the society, this was the city that the Christians were living in. And they were surrounded with this society and immersed in this society and saved many of them out of this society. Okay, so you see where the problems lie. Because they were there, they were in the world, but we are commanded to be in the world, but not of the world, right? And so there was a lot of things that were seeping into their lives, their daily lives, their walk, that weren't congruent with what Scripture Required, And so Paul wrote this letter. And this letter was written, different ones came to Paul with concerns. And, and they also sent him a letter asking questions and said, listen, what do we do about this? And what do we do about that? And, and so that's where this letter came from. Now, again, it's one letter. Okay? And, and when you read it from start to finish, it flows through. But we break it up. And we, we grab the different parts that we need for different applications and we use it. And, and that's great. But let's put it all back together and recognize that it is one letter first, right? And so if, if you break down the actual book, okay, chapters one through four, it deals with divisions amongst the church. Now, we already talked about the type of society that Corinth had, Okay, And so there was divisions that were happening within the church, and that was creating a tremendous amount of difficulty. And so that's chapter 1 to 4. Chapter 5 and 6, it talks about the moral and ethical disorders. Okay, Chapter 7 deals with instruction on marriage. Okay, Paul's knocking these things down. He says, hey, listen, now you asked me about this, so here's my instruction. You asked me about this, here's my instruction. Okay, Chapter 8 through 10, it's instruction on the questionable practices. Okay, and, and you remember that's where that famous verse, all things are permissible, but all things are not profitable. Right, you remember? Okay, so, so questionable practices, right? So that's chapter 10. But here's the thing, guys. We recognize that it's one letter, and it's a letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians, the Christians who were, who were meeting in Corinth, but he also writes it to you and I. Don't believe me? Corinthians 1. Turn to it real quick. Real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Okay? We're going to pick it up right at verse 2. To the church of God in Corinth, uh huh, to those sanctified in Christ and called to be holy together with all those who are or to call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Who is this speaking to? Do, do, do we call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord? The book's talking to you. It's to us. 
Okay? And we've already, we've already talked, we've already talked about 1 Corinthians 10 in other, in other messages that we've looked at where it, it says, hey, listen, these things are written down. These things are all written down so that 1 Corinthians 10, verse 11, these happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the time has come. Okay? It's a letter to us as well. Okay? So we've got to pay attention to these things. We'll talk about 1 Corinthians 14 at the end. Our time's sliding quickly. So, chapter 10. Okay? It gives us that warning. That warning that says, pay attention. Pay attention. I'm looking at Joel. We were talking, um, one of the last times Joel spoke, he spoke about how the, the children of Israel, they, they were in this cycle, this cycle of, of, of coming back to God and repenting, and then things started moving well, and so they started moving away, and boom, and oh, back to God, and, and the repentance. And Why, why, why couldn't they get through? Why were they having so much trouble? They were human beings. They were like you and I. Okay, And so it's, it is a cycle. It happens. But scripture records it. Why? So that we can learn from it. It's written to you and I as well. Okay? So, Corinthians then chapter 11. Corinthians chapter 11, it deals with, we're getting more, more focused here, okay? It deals with instruction for public worship. 11 chapter 2, it talks about order within the church for worship. Okay? Again, within the church, order for worship. Okay? Then it jumps over at, at 17. It picks it up where it's the Lord's Supper. And then chapter 12, it talks about spiritual gifts. Why am I dealing with, why am I going through this? Well, there's a point. And here's where the rubber starts to meet the road. Chapter 12. Here's where I'm going to do some reading. Bear with me, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but the same God works in all of them in all men. Now to each one... Pay attention to that. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Speaking of the church here. Okay? We're all part of the church. Amen? To each one, is the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. You and I are given for the common good of the assembly. Okay? To one is given the Spirit... Pardon me. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge. What's the difference? To one is given the message of wisdom. To another, knowledge. Wisdom, knowledge, same thing, right? No. Okay. We often smile. We say, wisdom is head knowledge. Pardon me. <laughs> knowledge is head knowledge. Wisdom is wise. Okay. That guy's really smart. That guy's really wise. You see the difference? So, so the, the smile is, is that those who have a lot of knowledge know that a tomato is a fruit. But those who have wisdom would never put a tomato in a fruit salad, you see? Um, I, I joke that knowledge is knowing that my, my 
mother was, this isn't the case. My mother was a better cook than my wife, okay? But, but, but wisdom's keeping my dumb mouth shut about it, right? Okay, you see, you see the difference, wisdom, knowledge. Now, to another, uh, verse eight, to one is given the spirit of wisdom, to another, this message of knowledge, okay? These are gifts within the church, To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, the gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. Prophecy. I always struggled with this one until I actually looked it up. Because do we really prophesy anymore? I mean, we, we think of prophecy and we think of end times. We think of all those things that are coming. We think of, of you know, the different the different prophets back in the Old Testament who prophesied things that were to come. But, but we talk about prophecy within our, our, our own group. What does that mean? Do we have someone standing up here saying, oh, you need to listen, the end times are coming, and, and then we are, we are... We don't do that, do we? But, but when you break down the word prophecy and you look at it differently, it's talking about instead of foretelling, forth-telling. You see the difference? So opening up the word of God and forth-telling the oracles of God. Okay, that's prophecy as well. So the different brethren who stand up here week after week after week and pour over God's word to bring it to you and share it with you, that's prophesying. Okay? That's a gift. A few things were explained in VG's opening. Where he talked about how, as a chef, you prepare, but you don't taste. Explains why I went to his house and the steak had a bite out of it. <laughs> Prophecy, okay? To another, distinguishing between spirits. Do we do that? Do we do that? It's a gift. Let me give you an example. There are times when my wife says, I just don't feel quite right about that. Something's kind of making me go, mm, don't know why, just not real comfortable with that. It's distinguishing between. Okay? It's a gift. It's a gift. And we, we need those here in the assembly. We need those who can do that very thing, who can take the teaching and go, mm, wait, wait, wait a minute, Dan. You might be off on this one. Okay? As, as elders, we have a responsibility to the teaching that goes on. Um, we require that gift too. Okay? To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another, the interpretation of, of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, verse 11. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. He gives the gifts to each one of us, those of us who are part of the bride of Christ, he gives the gifts to us as he determines. Are you using your gift? Then Paul goes on. And he says, hey, listen, guys, the body is as a unit. 
And though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we are all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is made is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, ah, the word that we use here is hyperbole, okay? What is hyperbole? Well, it means he's exaggerating to make a point, okay? Sarcasm. I live by it sometimes. Getting better at not. But sarcasm, okay? He says, hey, listen. The foot... If the foot should say, well, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. Okay, the foot can't say, well, hey, I'm not a hand, so I'm out of here. That's not how it works, right? And, and, and if the ear should say, well, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, what would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Okay? He's using exaggeration to make the point that we're all in this together and we're all needed. Okay? Can't be a floater in this. We all have a role. We all have a part. And, and societally, we place a, a, a different value on the different parts depending on what it is. We're going to deal with that. Okay? Because it, it, it goes on and it says, but in fact, uh, verse number 18, but in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Okay, this is God's work. This is what he has done. He has brought you here. He has given you gifts. He has put you in for a reason. If we were all one part, where would the body be? <laughs> one great big eyeball sitting there doing what? Okay? So, just going to jump forward a little bit. Number 20, verse 27. Now, you are the body of Christ. No, I can't jump forward. I skipped the most important part. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the contrary. Those parts of the body seem to be weaker. They're indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts, they need no special treatment. Okay, that was a whole bunch of stuff. Let's break it down. In relation to the church, sisters, brothers... We can't do without each other. Okay? We, we need each other. And, and my point here is that we're all gifted differently. And yet we look at each other and we go, oh man, I want that gift. <laughs> no. No. Because God put you here with the gift that he gave you for a reason. And what this text is saying is it's saying, hey, listen. Listen. The big ones... They don't need the attention. Okay? That's what it says. It says, our presentable parts need no special treatment. Verse 24. But it says, brethren, sisters, the ones that aren't seen in so many ways are the most important ones. 
Take out your kidney, see how you make out. Okay? All we pay attention to is the hand, the mouth, the one who speaks, all those things, right? Guys, in the church, it's not. Those, those ones are important, they play a part. But just as vital are all the innards, all the ones working behind the scenes. Okay? So, so, so critical. Verse 26, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. Okay? Vigie's up here sitting on a, on a cushion. What's the one part of him that's suffering? His back. How does it impact the rest of your day? The rest of everything to do with your daily life. One part is suffering, the whole body suffers. Okay? It's the same with the assembly. Same with the church. Okay? We're in this together. We need each other. The Lord has placed us here for a reason. Verse 27. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. And in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, then prophets, then teachers, then workers of miracles, also those who have the gifts of healing, those who are able to help each other, those with gifts of administration, on the table, that ain't my gift. Right? We were talking about that today. Okay? My, my gift is not administration. <laughs> I'm hoping to make my gift delegation. Administration is not me. Those speaking in all different kinds of tongues, and then it goes on to say, verse 29, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But eagerly desire the greater gift. What's the greater gift? Love. And now, I will show you the most excellent way. And that, brothers and sisters, is the transition through the book of 1 Corinthians into the chapter on love. So the chapter on love then begins, if I speak with the tongue of men, uh, pardon me, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels and have not love. Brothers, sisters, if we are doing the work in the church without love, it's pointless. It's being described here as a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Go grab one of the metal garbage can lids and start pounding on it. Okay? That's what your gift is without love. Not my words. The love that it's speaking of here is not that eros love. It's not a romantic love. It's the love that we need to have as brethren and sisters in Christ for one another. It's the love that we need to have for those who are around us in the world who are perishing. This is the love that it's speaking of. And so let's take verse number four and let's reflect that with that thought. Love is patient. Love is kind. It talks about the things that it is and then it talks about the things that it isn't. It does not envy. It does not boast. Gut check time, guys. It is not proud. It is not self-seeking. 
It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. How's your checklist doing? I've already got nailed a few times. I'm being honest. When we fulfill the roles that we have within the assembly, do we do it in a self-seeking manner? Do we do it out of pride? I'd love to say that I, I, I don't. It's so wrong, though. It's so wrong if we do. Love does not delight in evil. In evil. It rejoices with the truth. It always protects. Brethren, sisters, we're applying this to our relationship within the assembly. Do we always protect each other? Do we always trust? And then look at this one. It always hopes and always perseveres. Ah, forget it. doesn't matter. What's the point? (laughs) Does that sound like hope or perseverance to you? But it's so critical in our walk and in our relationships with each other. Because you know what? We're not perfect. We get down. We get discouraged. We get busy. Amen? Amen? We talked about these things. You run out of day before you run out of things to do. And it's easy to get down. But the love that we have for one another, does it look at that perseverance? Does it look at that patience? Does it look at that hope? And then do we use that love to encourage one another? That's why we're here. That's why we're here. We're a family. And then it says love never fails. We always tie that into the previous verse. It's not part of it. Okay, because then it moves on to talk about how um, all these other things are going to pass away, but these things remain. Faith, hope, love. And the greatest of these is love. but I got good news for you. Here's the good news. We'll need some of these put up on the board just to save us for time and for flipping through our Bibles. John chapter 13. See, here's the good news. It's commanded. (laughs) I just heaped some work on you, didn't I? It's commanded. Okay? The Lord, this is in the upper room where he gets down on the floor and he washes the feet of his disciples. And and we remember that scene, right? And he says, this is the new commandment that I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Does it? No, it doesn't. Those of you... Uh, who have different versions of the Bible, um, when you get two minutes, look it up, 
Okay, look up this verse, John chapter 13, 34. Okay, some of the versions, they put a period right at the end of love one another, period, done. This is my commandment that I give unto you, love one another. Boom. Just as I knew sentence, just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. Okay, we're commanded to do it. But it says, just as I have loved you, how did Christ love us? We're going to move fast, going to move fast. Ephesians 5, Ephesians 5, 25. Do you have it there? For the board? There we go. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. As Christ loved the church... Okay, so we are to love one another. How did he love the church? Gave himself up for her. How's my checklist going here? Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, verse 4 and 5. Because, but God being rich in mercy, because of the great love where which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you are saved. Because of his great love for us, God, what? He provided. That's how we are to love one another, right? Okay, moving, moving, moving. Romans 5, verse 8. God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. As Christ loved the church, so we are to love one another. 1 John 4 and 10. We're going to pause at this one for a minute. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Guys, look, it's reciprocal. Okay? Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Okay? It has to start somewhere. It's not natural. It's commanded. It's required. But it's not natural. So here, here we have it. Because we love him, okay, because he first loved us. If we jump back to Ephesians uh, chapter 5, 22, um, it talks about, hey, listen, wives. Okay, I'm going I'm to tie this together. It makes sense in a minute. Wives, what to your husbands? What is it? What's the word? It's right there. Wives, submit. Submit yourself to your husbands. But now we jump to verse 25, and it says, husbands what? Your wives. Sorry? Love. Okay? Wives, wives aren't told to love their husbands. They're told to submit to their husbands. Husbands aren't told to submit to their wives. They're told to what? Love their wives. Okay? But guys, here's the beauty of it. It works. My wife is sitting here. I love her to death. It's her birthday next week. She's turning 27 again. <laughs> I love her to death. But she's easy to love. Why is she easy to love? Because she submits. It's easy for her to submit, I hope. Because I show love. You see? 
And when I stop showing love, she stops submitting. And then when she's no longer submitting, I'm no longer showing love because I'm not getting my needs met. The whole thing breaks down. But you see, it's reciprocal. Someone has to step forward and take the first step. Okay? We, we're dealing with a whole bunch of stuff at work right now, and it, and it ultimately comes down to that. It's like, yeah, but they're, and, well, but they're, and, and stop, stop, okay? We can point fingers at each other for everything, but at some point, you have to step up and decide to make the difference. You decide to make the change within yourself. You decide to show what? Love. And then once the love begins to show again, the submission comes back, and then the whole thing starts moving again. Because it's easy to love someone who is submissive, and it's easy for someone to be submissive to someone who loves them. Okay? It works. It works. And so, within our relationship with our Heavenly Father, we put back up there John 4. We love Him because... Sorry, I've got the wrong verse. But, but He... Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. And because of his love for us, he sent his son to die for us. And because of our recognition of sins forgiven, like we met with this morning, okay, we then in turn begin to love God in return. Okay, He's the one that made the first step. But see, we have to do it within our own body as the body of Christ as well. Okay? It's all about the relationship. It's about the back and forth. Guys, John chapter 21, okay? The Lord has been crucified. He has been seen again, okay? But the disciples are all sitting around going, well, what are we doing with our lives now? And Peter says, I don't know about y'all, but I'm going fishing. Okay, yeah, we're coming too. So they go and jump in the boat. And they fish all night and nothing happens, right? And so in the morning, the sun's coming up and they see someone standing on the side of the, the shore uh, approximately 100 yards away and he calls out to them and he says, hey, what do you caught? And they're like, nothing. And he goes, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. And so they did. And they caught a boatload of fish, literally, literally. It says 153 fish. That kind of freaks me out a bit, but 153 fish, and, and there was so much that they couldn't pull them in, but hey, their nets weren't breaking, and that's when they recognized that it was the Lord on the shore, okay? And this, this is setting the table for the conversation. He says, hey, come in, come in, and they come in. He's got a little campfire going there. He's got some bread. He's got some breakfast, He says, bring some of the fish with you. They cook them up. They have a meal. And this is where the Lord looks at Peter. And he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter's like, yeah. And he goes, good, feed my sheep. And then he looks at him again. He says, Peter, do you love me? Yeah. Okay, Peter's getting a little, what's up with this guy? 
feed my sheep. Then he says it again. Why does he say it three times? Is it because Peter denied him three times? Could be. I like to think there was something a little bit bigger going on here. Because he says to him the third time, he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter goes, ah, come on, Lord. You know that I love you. You know all things. He says, you know my heart. You know that I love you. And he says, yeah, Peter, feed my sheep. Brethren, sisters, do you love the Lord? Feed his sheep. Okay? It's a call to action. It's a call to work. Do you love me? Go to work. Okay? Peter, Peter, it's not about you anymore, Peter. Do you love me? Yes, I do. Good. Go to work. Peter? And Peter's like, yeah, yeah. Do you love me? Yeah. Go to work. Peter? You see what I'm saying? It's not about you and I anymore. Okay? It's bigger. It's so much bigger. And we are part of the church. We are part of the bride of Christ. We are part of the family of God. We are called to love one another. We are called to show love to one another. We're called to show that agape love to the world. Okay? But what use are we to them if we don't have it within our own midst? Big, old, clanging symbol. Who wants to listen to that? We're part of the church. God has placed us here. He's brought us here for a reason. He's given us a role. He's given us a responsibility. You don't know what yours is? I'm going to tell you what yours is for right now. You're going to pray. You're going to pray for your brethren and your sisters. You're going to pray for the leadership of the assembly. You're going to pray for the work that is being done here. You're going to pray for those who have authority over you. You're going to pray that the Lord will reveal to you what your specific role is. But in the meantime, go to work. Do you see what I'm saying? Because we need each other. And we will never, ever weary God with our prayers. If we want to see blessing amongst our circle, we need to get on our knees. We are to love one another. We are to go to work. Love one another as I have loved you. We're going to close in prayer, but I do have two questions for you. And, and if, if you could try and take them as seriously as you can, 
Okay, question number one is where do you fit into the body as defined in 1 Corinthians chapter 12? Where are you? What, where do you fit? What's your role? Okay. I've given you a very specific one that applies to every single one of us here. No exceptions. Myself included. And then the second question is, is how's your love life? But how's your love life in relation to the checklist that's listed between verse 4 and verse 8 on 1 Corinthians chapter 13? Okay. Let's take the pride out of what we're doing. Let's take the, the self-promotion, all those things. Okay. That's the stubble. That's the garbage. That's the stuff God doesn't want. There's my questions for you. Let's just close in prayer. Father, thank you again. Your son, our savior, Jesus Christ. He loved us enough to come. And father, we acknowledge him as head of the church. We acknowledge him as head of this church. We want to give him his preeminent place. And father, your word tells us that we must love one another within this church. So I just ask for each one whose head is bowed here today. Father, if they know you as their Lord and Savior, then, Father, let's go to work. Help us. Strengthen us, Father. Give us wisdom. Give us a love to reach out to each other, but also to reach beyond our own doors. Your son, when he was on this earth, he said, I have those who are not of this fold. And Father, there are still those who are not of this fold. And we need to go and we need to reach out to them. Give us the love that we need in order to do that. So that we can come back with them and rejoice with them. We were hearing this morning how there's joy before the presence of the angels over one sinner. Coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, it's all about love, and it's not about us. So, Father, make this real to our hearts. Bless each one, Father. We are busy. We're on our way out. But bless each one, and return us again safely, we pray. In Jesus' precious name, amen.